Hey, this is Goose here. Just wanted to drop in and mention that uh, I put together a uh, survey monkey survey uh, regarding the podcast. Uh, it's six quick questions uh, according to Survey Monkeys uh, analytics, something or another. I don't know how they figure it out. It takes about two minutes to do. Um, super easy. I uh, wanted to thank, I think, the 15 people, 14 maybe, uh, who have already done the survey. Um, but the survey will be able to be found uh, either in the show notes or um, available on our Twitter at Talking Jacks. It is our pinned tweet, so it'll be very easy to find. Um, would appreciate the feedback that you can provide uh, on with the episode. And thanks for doing the survey if you can. Alrighty, uh, this is a special Talking Jacks Extra off season edition. Um, it is going to be a solo one with me, but luckily you don't have to hear just me. I'm welcomed with, or pleased to be joined by, wow, I'm stumbling already, uh, Hugh Roberts. Uh, welcome to the show, Hugh. Thanks for Thanks taking for the time out yep. of your uh, busy schedule. I think I've caught him right in the middle of uh, coaching. Yep, so, great time. <laughs> uh, just to kind of l- jump into that topic there, mm-hmm. um, how did you get into coaching and in, in is that a big part of your off-season, or what does your off-season kind of look up with that? Yeah, so how I got into coaching, so I probably started coaching when I was in, in like, eighth grade, and mm. that's as early as – I played basketball as well throughout my whole life, all the way up to senior year of high school. So at that point, I was, like, six foot, six one, eighth grade going into high school. So I was at this middle school camp, and the coach was like, you can't play basketball anymore. You have to coach. <laughs> so I was in eighth grade. That's when I really started coaching. I was coaching, like – elementary young elementary kids from there and I coached literally from eighth grade on till now and yep. that progressed on then when you get to college that's how you most, mostly make your money in the summertime you're doing summer camps for your college you make good money that way progressed on to Richmond have my own clubs team and I mean Richmond players for general make some extra money do coaching there's a lot of coaching opportunities yeah but then they gave me my own um, U13 boys team for two years so I had nice. them for two years and um and then Philly and Pitt, not really coaching. I mean, you do summer camps and stuff in Pittsburgh, but not necessarily. Not affiliated with the clubs necessarily. Because right, they have all the coaching staff taken care of, but they don't really need yeah, players okay. to help out coaching. But in Richmond and Independence now they have their own academy. They didn't have coaching before, but I'm here with the Eagles now. And yeah. that helped me out with my contacts and my clientele. Now we're doing individual coaching and establishing myself here in a little bit. But yeah, off season wise, um it's progressed over the years, so UCL is really a grind. Um, my first three years in Richmond, I was working. Uh, our season was done. USL's season was done early. So I was done end of September, my first two years. Yep. And so you're going October all the way in, in preseason and start till March. So that's a very long time. So I was working nine to fives for my first three years. I was working yep. part time at uh, an endoscopy center where my mom works. I was doing part time front desk stuff. Me and a couple of the USL boys that are in my area, I put them on too. So we were grinding for those three years. Um, my fourth year as well, I was in and out there part-time. Last year, and then t- typically too, you move back home. I mean, you're in free housing. Yeah. So you, once free housing is done when the season's on, you either move back home or you have to like look for a spot. So typically you move back home too. So those years I'll move back home and I'll just work part-time to pay off my car, make a little money. Um, and then now that I'm here and I have my apartment here, and again, too, I've been going on my seventh year, but I'm not on a 12-month contract. So now here I am. Usually, I'd say 80% of players in the U.S. are, are on 10, or, uh, yeah, 10-month contract, which is like till the end of November. Mm-hmm. Younger players are really on till the end of the season. So once the season's yeah. done, you're done. Um, so, yeah, here I am in November. 
need opportunities. So really, I've been coaching a lot. I coach every day, I, and then I'm also training here. So we train every morning at mm. 7:30 at Exos, and then yeah. we play pickup at Hyper Elite, which is a new indoor place right after. So literally from like 7:30 to 11:30 noon, that's my morning. It's a straight training. Yeah. Have a little gap in between from like 12 to 3, and then I'm coaching from almost like 3 to 9. Wow, so yeah. it's not really an off season. It nah, yeah, like nah, nah, so, right, right. I mean, it'd be different. For, definitely, don't get me wrong. Like you go to like San Antonio, Cincinnati when they're here. Um, some other big time clubs. Like, there's a good amount of guys on 12 months. The MLS affiliate team, since they're only yeah. having 12 guys in the roster, almost all of them are on 12 month contract. All in a 12 month in Philly too, which is nice. I mean, yeah, you actually feel like they're a professional player. Can focus on your like. Typically, I'm sure in every other sport, you're getting paid in the off season, so you can just focus and train, work out, and focus on your craft. But you know, usually you have to find some other source of income. So that's what we're typically doing in the off season. I'm not the only one doing this right now. Um, and so yeah, I'm just grinding right now. But yeah, it is. It is what it is. Yeah, I got you. It's. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what that's like because you kind of go through a situation where you you want to find security. Do Do you feel that? as the USL has progressed that it's gotten better for players in that way in the general consensus? I think so. I okay. think um, definitely the salary has gone up for clubs. So players are getting a little more, little more money. So they should be able to save a little more. And as the contracts are becoming longer, 10 months is now becoming more of a common thing instead of just end of the season, just so mm. you're getting taken care of more for like a month and a half extra to save a little bit more money. And I think with the bigger clubs, are definitely and older guys are now starting to establish themselves in the league and the league starting to understand our concerns and things. They're starting to look out for us with these 12 months more and just finding opportunities for you in the offseason just so you're comfortable a little bit. Do you think that that comes into play with, and this is going into a topic that I know very little on, but do you think that comes into play because players are becoming more savvy clubs are becoming more savvy or is it maybe agents are becoming more savvy on behalf of players it's a good question i definitely think clubs and players are players are probably voicing their concerns more because the leagues from when i was there in 2014 like i said we start we ended end of september it was you know you're traveling to the west coast for two games and stuff too now that's no longer like that it was oh yeah i wasn't a fan back then but i I do forget that there was it was much smaller and there was like what like two clubs out west maybe a few amount yeah very few few, yeah so we'd go out there and you know you play two games out west and you try every team west and east is doing that which is kind of cool to go out west but now they cut that out but i think because the league's getting stronger the season's longer so because of the longevity you have to also look out for us Mm. um the league's growing stronger but the players are now becoming more aware and comparing themselves to other maybe the mls or other leagues in general and so we're like all right well we need to start looking out for ourselves you guys want us to play longer well all right well maybe we need lunch after practices and that's still Mm. not like that in probably like 60 70 percent of the clubs like really yeah Jim fought for us that here, but then he left, and we really didn't even have lunch to ourselves consistently like that on a daily basis. Mm. And that's like a pretty established club here in this area. And Richmond, we got no lunch. It wasn't really; it was really just in Philly, and I was an MLS affiliate. Yeah, Pittsburgh was no lunch too. So yeah, I mean, that's things like that. I mean, you want to start taking care of your players more, and players are voicing their concerns. So I think, and then all right, if you want a player to come here, we're talking behind your the coaching staff's back, so. You know, a player is going to hit up another player like, hey, how do you like it here in the offseason? Yeah. And so if another player is voicing his concerns, like they're not even feeding you after practice, 
they're not really paying you in the offseason, that might steer you away. And so mm. I think clubs are looking at that as well. And they're like, all right, well, we need to entice some more players in our direction. So maybe we need to step it up a little bit. Yeah, so that that's that's an interesting perspective on all that. Now, one thing I'm really curious on, and I think you've kind of already answered this, but um, do you get to a point with it being the off season where you're just kind of sick of soccer, thinking about soccer? I think, like I said, I think you already answered this, or but do you kind of have to always be involved in that? That's kind of the way. Nah, I mean, I'm like been. I'm one into rest as well. Like, yeah. This has been the shortest rest I've had in the off season, but typically I'll probably go into like like three or four weeks and then I'm back into it a little bit of training, getting a little touches, and then like after Thanksgiving I'm right back into it. But like I said, this is the shortest I've only had, we took three weeks off um at the end of our last season and then the last game and then we got right back into it training wise. Mm-hmm. But typically I'm 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 all in for rest. Like you don't want mentally too, you need mentally, I don't know if you saw LeBron's post the other day and his interview talking about well, yeah, LeBron literally just put an IG post up yesterday and had an interview yesterday the day before talking about the mental toughness and about the um, the longevity of your mental strength mm. as well. And so, like, yeah. not just lasting for a, a three-month period. It's basketball season, I don't know, it's like eight months. We're going for, like, nine. It's lasting that whole nine months. And so, at the end of the season, I'm white. The season that we had ups and yeah. downs and multiple coaches and stuff, it's good sometimes to just step away um, for a couple of weeks and then, but I, I I love the game too much. I can't really stay away from it too much. And I'm watching it all the time. Champions League, the fire is just burning inside oh, of you. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, I'm sick of just sitting on my couch. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to get back into it. Yeah. that That's interesting. Is there anything that you, that you like to do in the off season that you can't do during the season? Like, is there anything, like for me, I'm like a food person and like, are there any like indulgences you have that you can't do during the season? Traveling, that's probably, yeah. I've, traveled, I've traveled for the past like five years in a row now. Nice, yeah. Usually out the country, but just anywhere. I mean, typically you only have like a weekend or two off in the season and you can't really time it like that. They'll come out with the schedule soon. You can maybe see, but some coaches might want to have you to train for like a day. So it's hard to really judge when you can travel sometimes. So I, yeah. really in the off season, a good amount of us, but I especially, I just love to travel and see new places. Going to Jamaica this off season. Jamaica yeah. Too, so I'll definitely be looking forward to that trip. But yeah, I usually like to travel a lot whenever okay. I can. Is there any? Has there been like a particular place that you've liked above other places, or some place you want to go that you haven't been yet? Yeah, um, I like going to Europe. Yeah, I went there last year, but um, I definitely want to go to like Italy, Greece, try out some new countries. I like trying new things and new areas. So wherever I try to explore, it's definitely different countries, so I understand different cultures and different communities and things. So. I'll definitely try to go back overseas at some point and travel to new countries that I haven't been to yet. Very cool. That's uh, all good stuff. It, I swear, it's funny how you you get in the middle of an interview and you're like, it's been like 30 minutes. It's only <laughs> been like 10 minutes so far. But um, one thing I kind of wanted to touch base on, I think somebody asked this question as well. Um, I'll, I'll expand upon this a little bit more, but but Matt did ask this question. Uh, what was your favorite moment of the 2019 season? My favorite moment for me personally is probably that Philly game for a good amount of reasons. Yeah. Um, Philly, I, just, I played in Philly, Bethlehem. And so I know the coaching staff was there. I know everyone there was good. And we're playing in the Union Stadium too. Typically you play up in Lehigh yeah. University. So it was another thing to play up in Philly too. Philly's only two hours from my home, so all my whole family came up. 
Yeah, I heard you heard like a whole cheering section. Yeah, I was, think. I was probably like thirty deep to be honest. <laughs> oh, really? But because nice. I brought like family out who's never even been to a soccer game. It's just because yeah. I was in Philly. Typically, like I said, we're in Lehigh, which is an hour and a half outside of Philly. But now I'm yeah. in Philly, so I brought a bunch of cousins out who've never even been to a soccer game. For them to see an MLS stadium was like wow, like soccer's kind of cool. Yeah, had a uh, family friends from Germany who's actually really? at uh, Bethany Beach, and so they drove from an hour just to see the game too. <sighs> just in town on tour to see America and they've never seen me play and they haven't seen me play too. And I scored yeah. in that game too. In front yeah, of all yeah, them too. It was, just, it was a lot for me in that game. And that was a wild game yeah, was too. Down that, a man. Yeah. Like they, they got a lot of action in that game. <laughs> if that was their sales pitch for right. soccer, then they I feel like we kind of found, not just for the end of the season, but for next season too, um, kind of found our, <laughs> our stitch and, yeah. um, you know, what we're going to go ride with for the rest of the way. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that kind of leads into something I was curious on. And I'm trying to figure out a way of wording this, but I'll just, I'll just say it like this. Do you feel that there was a moment when, I don't want to say the burden of making the playoffs, but the fact that the playoffs weren't going to be met that there was kind of an ease in the locker room? Because that's what it kind of seemed like watching the team play, that the, like something kind of changed. Did, did you feel that at all? Or what Or what was the – was there any change when that happened? It's. I mean, from an outside perspective, you can say that 100%, and, like, I see that view 100,000%. But for me personally, like, the level in practice every week did not change. Like, we yeah. were very optimistic every single time. And – we were just on the wrong side. We felt like for a lot of games, we just kept, and I give credit to Enzo too for keeping us going on. He was a very good leader for us in the locker room. He mm. he rode with or with Mike and was like, "Stick with it, stick with it. It's coming." Even when we didn't make playoffs, he yeah. still told us, you know, stick together. And now you're thinking of like contracts at the end of the season. Guys mm. are playing for the options now too. That's how it really came down to the end of the season. The guys were like, yeah. "All right, like we're." A very good team and we know this but now it's like options too it's not we can either just jump the ship or just like actually yeah. stick through this um and then we we got our our first win i forget when we got our first win but from there we're like finally and yeah, not everything like it um, feels like so long ago I know, right <laughs> <laughs> uh i think it was like end of september uh, uh might have been like harford or something somebody that sounds about right yeah but, yeah but um yeah i mean we're just like finally all our hard work you know got rewarded for this and everything just started clicking and it, i mean like i said from an outside perspective you can see like there was an ease to it but jobs are on the line too so it's yeah. not just the fact that we didn't make playoffs but and as you see i mean yeah we'll see who's coming back who what happens in the off season we don't know mm. but um yeah, I mean, jobs are on the line. So people are still fighting hard. And, you know, another thing, too, you, you might not see some of these guys again the following year, so you want to play with your boys for yeah, the last I, month. I think you touched base on that a little bit in your last episode um, with the guest. I'm forgetting his name, but he, he played with, with the kickers Yannick, this year. Yannick, yeah. um, do you think that – I almost hate to ask this question, but I feel like I want to, so I'm going to mm -hmm. since it's a podcast. But – do you think it's maybe the norm for players to play for their contracts going into that situation? Because maybe as a fan, I think I've seen other teams where it's like, oh, they're eliminated from the playoffs. They're shut off. Do you think that's maybe a, a norm for them to play as like a – what I'm trying to say, let me, let me ask it this way mm -hmm. um, before I ramble anymore. <laughs> 
do you think that the locker room came together and is that normal in the USL at that point in the season or was it kind of an abnormal thing? I think it's abnormal. Yeah. I think it just spoke to our culture in our locker room where we're a very close-knit unit throughout the whole season. Mm. Um, but typically, I'd say, and speaking to other people you heard in the last podcast with yeah. Yannick too, it's like, all right, well, whatever, season's done. Like, let's just ride this. I'll get my fitness in. You're already thinking about next year. You're already yeah. talking to your agent. Like, I'm trying to either stay here or get out of here. You're you're thinking about the next. And, I mean, it's hard not to when money's involved. And you, yeah. at the end of and the day, too. Livelihood at a right, certain point. Because, too. Those, like you said earlier, those – 10, 12 month contracts, mm-hmm. you have to be thinking about, I, I would, I would find it difficult. And of course I'm not a soccer player, but mm-hmm. I would find it difficult to keep yourself in that situation and not take yourself out of that situation, right. just right. emotionally and in all those types of right. things. That's, that's very abnormal. Yeah. Um, but I spoke to Enzo, I spoke to just the culture in general all year. Even when Jim was around one, one in 15, like, we were still pretty much fighting, just knowing, like, all right, it's yep. bound to happen at some point. We're way too good. Practices were high quality, still the highest quality training I've had on a weekly, daily basis. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, people still felt good. It's just maybe some tactical things that we really – sometimes you can't control those things. And Yeah, or just <clears> – <throat> and I almost hate to say this, but I will. It's almost like a luck thing mm-hmm. because I feel like this season was just – such an unlucky season. I mean, there were so many little things that happened. As a defender in the center back, you don't have to tell me because I'm yeah. back there just shaking yeah. my head. Just throw and your hands up period. and think, yeah. well. I've never bled and let up so many goals in my career personally yeah. too. And then you think back to yourselves at home, like, what do I do to fix this? And you come back, all right, let's fix this. We're ready weekly. And then boom, the same thing over and over. So, yeah, trust me. I was feeling that same way. <laughs> um one thing I did want to touch base on is the looming incoming, whatever you want to call it, um, players union that is uh, being formed or the CBA or whatever the technical term for it is. Um, what are some things you've kind of touched base on it a little bit earlier, but what are some things that you would like to see as like the standard part of that negotiation? Yeah, for me personally, I'd like to see at least a standard base salary, I mm-hmm. think. And I know for sure this stuff, definitely for the poorer clubs, like guys are getting paid pennies even at like 23, 24 years. Like, yes, it is the grind and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's like below minimum wage pennies kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. It gets very, way below minimum wage. It, it, it comes at a certain point where it's like you, I would have to imagine as a player, mm-hmm. you're seeing all these clubs doing these different things mm-hmm. and maybe even the club you're at potentially mm-hmm. is doing all these things and you're like, well, where's, where's my mm-hmm. part? Because I'm physically doing this right. for the club. Um, but what are, what has it been like as a player? Is there a lot of communication between who's ahead of or who's taking the reins with the, the players union or yeah, what's that like? They've done a good job communicating with us all, sending emails out to all the USL players to keep us in contact. Oh yeah. And some other things, I want to talk about too um, healthcare too for sure. I mean, yep. not every club has healthcare, and a lot of times it's like your injury has to be X amount of dollars for you to even be considered to mm. get surgery or even get rehab or something. Which is yeah, like we're sacrificing our bodies for this club. Like it should, an ankle injury, fine, it should be taken care of for the most part, even if it's like a couple hundred. Like 
it shouldn't be an X amount of dollars for you just to get considered yeah. to get some rehab. Um, some things like train, uh, food after trainings and things too. I mean, a lot of times you're, I mean, down here in this heat, it's crazy. This heat is something else for me too, and a lot of us too. We're not used to this, so you're losing pounds, and then you're just draining time. I mean, obviously you have to come back and cook, but then that's another aspect into it. You don't really want to cook when you come home, yeah. Or you cook something <laughs> quick because you're just tired, which isn't the best thing for you. And a lot mm -hmm. of the young boys, like I know when I was young, I was just putting whatever in my body because I'm tired. And I just thought maybe some waffles or something. Quick. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like <laughs> something not, you can throw in the right, microwave right. as opposed to the other. But it's not good for us, and we shouldn't be eating that. Where maybe. You know, ten dollars from each person could provide some lunch for you know us players after practice. Like that—that's something I definitely want to happen for all of us. And contracts, I think, should be maybe at least minimum like ten months. I mean, not the full mm. twelve. I know it can be expensive, but a good ten. I don't—I don't see why. Yeah, we shouldn't be able to do that at least. Um, yeah. Just to give people some stability, save a little money, and then more reason for them to come back the following year and just stick around and actually enjoy what they're doing. Because have the process too. You're like. Do I do this or just get a nine to five? Because a lot of times you have your yeah. degree after college, and so mm -hmm. you have your degree. And I know that's half the battle too. I know people who stop their grind and their journey not necessarily because they can't, but it's like, all right, like forget this. I'm gonna get me a nine to five and make good money instead yeah. of living my passion and seeing what comes out of it. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that I I can't imagine going through a situation like that where you've you've got this education, but you've also got this passion that mm -hmm. you, you want to be devoted towards. Mm -hmm. um, let me check the, oh, we're doing pretty good on time, luckily. Um, what else can we talk about? Talk about, talk about. Um, let's, let's dive into some, some listener questions. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to start off with a set of questions from Charles. Okay. Um, let's start with the first part here. What are the goals for your career at this point? Yeah, so at this point, I mean, I'm still grinding, trying to make it to the highest level as I can possibly. I've been, for me, from my standpoint, I've been improving each and every year, climbing up the ladder, I keep working my way up. So, mm -hmm. And I know a bunch of people who are in the top division that I either practice with, play with, or, you know, play against. Like, I, I know it's not that far of a reach to get there, so I'm not really – my mindset is going there until – something tells me otherwise not to go anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I also just want to affect the youth now. I'm at a point now where I'm a little more established. So I've gone to my seventh yeah. year, getting older. So I want to establish something, whether it's like an academy, providing more um, nonprofit and free opportunities for kids because I think the pay-to-play system has been hurting us for not just years, yeah. but decades. I mean, it's been going on for decades now. You imagine the amount of people who just can't even play soccer and they're really good. Mm. Um, and you know, just open more doors for minorities and stuff too, because we don't. It, again, it's an expensive sport, and so you're not gonna come play soccer. You're gonna steer away from it, and it's not mm -hmm. like cool in the eyes of the television wise and marketing wise. So I want to grow, not just that, but just grow this sport in general. So I do my podcast and my show too, and I want to yeah. shine a good light into what we're doing on a daily aspect because it's just as entertaining as any other sport, and it's the greatest sport in the world. So yeah, it needs to grow in this country too. And you've touched base on this a little bit. Well, maybe not level of play, but the next question Charles has is, how has the level of play changed since when you first started at USL? Yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, there's more analytics into it. There's more video involved. And because of that and scouting as well, because of that, the technical aspects increased. And with this change of tide, too, with 
there's more money now and more youth coming into this. So kids now are foregoing college and coming into the USL a little earlier now. Mm. And so that wasn't really an option for me when I was coming out of academy. So now you have these academy boys as well who are in high school training with USL pro players. Yeah. And that's and then they go back to their club teams and now they're standing out. And I'm seeing and I'm hearing a difference in all that too. And Yes, there was um, back when I was in high school, there was MLS two in reserves, but it was it was just like a reserve. Unless you're on the DC from I'm from DC, so DC United's Academy, then you're getting DC reserve games. But other than that, no other club team is playing, you know, getting opportunities at DC. But now, if you're good enough, you're talented enough, you can train, you get opportunities, you can even make some money if you're at a decent club, making you know X amount of dollars a month. You you might think about. All right, I'm only 16, 17. I'm going to play for nine, 10 months of the year with grown men. And then when I come back in two or three years, I'm only 20. I'm going to start balling and do my thing. So yeah. the league's definitely growing aspect, that aspect. And definitely the younger players are more technical and more savvy into their game, too. I mean, mm. because of all the analytics, because of all the video, and because of you know social media in general, they're now seeing the technical aspect of the game, the importance of not necessarily being athletic and just you know, running up and down, going through people. Yeah. It's now, like, tactical, where you should be, technical, getting out of situations. When really, like, in my days, from what I can think of, is just going out and play. And you see so-and-so, you yeah. see how good they were on TV, yeah, but, all right, you try to emulate them, and you're just going out and playing, just having fun kind of thing. So. Yeah. Do you think that the on-the-field product, as far as level of play, as has dramatically increased, or do you feel like it's moderately increased, or how do you see it? I wouldn't say dramatically, but um, you feel like maybe the consistency has cons- gone up, or there isn't like the not to poke fun at a team that's not here anymore, but like the Penn FCs, where there was mm-hmm. certain clubs that right. just you could tell weren't up to snuff compared to other clubs. Right, Penn FC. I mean Rochester, maybe too. Richmond now, not Richmond back then, but Richmond now, they lost some of their budget, so they can't really compete in that. Mm. So getting rid of that, too, and, you know, setting certain standards, I'm sure in the future, next coming years, more MLS two teams will leave the championship and go to League One, probably. And so that and Miami FC coming now, it's more of an established veteran yeah. team. So I think maybe because of NASL folding, Tampa, Indy, um, Miami now, some other older veteran clubs have all joined. It's made this league even more established. So that's that, the East is crazy. It's crazy how stacked this East is. And yeah. every single year, and now next year, Miami, like this is increasing every single year. And so that's raised the level and that's raised the talent and that's raised like the scouting. And just it's raised everyone's bar and that's only increased the level of play. So definitely, from my eyes, it's grown every single year. Mm-hmm. It's I wouldn't say drastically where it's just going straight up vertically, but it's definitely yeah, it's been a steady climb. It's been a steady climb every single year. That makes sense. And this um, kind of brought me back to a different question um, for myself. Um, something that broke today uh, from Jeff Reuter um, from The Athletic is they're going to be doing an all-star game for the USL in June of this upcoming year, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Who knows? Um, but... Uh, what are your feelings on the idea of doing that? Is that something that maybe players have wanted to do, or, or what are your thoughts? I'm a competitor, so I love that. Yeah, and like, I, I just found out from you, so now my mindset's like, all right, I need to work hard because yeah. And just, for those that can't see Hugh's face, because nobody can other than me, um, he just started smiling when <laughs> that question came up, and when I did mention it to him before, there was a certain like gleam in his face where. <laughs> 
it's really cool to see. I mean, <laughs> for me, from my perspective, I kind of see it as almost a why kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that does change my perspective in a lot of ways. Seeing that you, from from a player's perspective, it's you want to prove yourself. Is that, mm -hmm. that kind of where you're coming right. from? And not just like to the league, maybe to like other players, to yourself. Yeah. You just feel maybe a sense of being rewarded for your hard work. I mean, it, I think it should be the end of the year maybe because it's like a full yeah. season thing. And I think they may be doing with MLS because they're in the summertime too. And so that's what we're probably doing because halfway through the season, people's season changes halfway through. And so, but I do think it's going to even just increase the level and keep it higher too because you're going to be constantly maybe i mean maybe not just me but other people are definitely be thinking in the back of the mind like all right like people are watching now even more because now there's consideration for an all-star game so that they, they literally have mm. to choose people so you it's either you're on it or you're not and so that yeah. and even if you're not on it it's cool you see who's on it you see your level it's mm -hmm. time to work harder so that's yeah. just my mentality with it too and so not it's a good way of looking at it. Not, yeah, so maybe, you know, even if I don't make it, it's cool, but it's just raising my game up more, and, and yeah. I'm anxious, and I'm excited to see who's on it, just so I can see, all right, that's where the bar is. I need to raise my level and just keep competing. This is kind of an aside to that, but similar aspects. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you or have you seen other players pay attention to those teams of the week, player of the week, Goal of the week, save of the week, things like that. I mean, I, I scroll through it. You see it just scrolling through your timeline. I really, unless it's like my boys on it or something, then I'll give them love or something. But I really, yeah, me per se, like I, it's not that big of a deal because weekly things are going to change. I mean, team of the week, it rewards you for that week. It's excellent. You know, you did yeah. well for your team. Your team, you're only giving it to the winners too. So your team won that week. You did well. But mm -hmm. if you're not, your team still has a losing record. If you're not really winning like that and you're not making playoffs, like, it only means so it's just like an individual accolade. And so you're rewarded. Yeah. It feels good if you're, you know, prideful and that means a lot to you. That's great. But for me, per se, it feels nice to be rewarded for the work. And, you know, a, for me, I think it's a team result because as a defender, you have to win that. You have to have almost a clean sheet and win. Yeah, it's you from the I mean? defender's perspective, <laughs> it almost kills me because some of those formations they put out too, like the, the end of the year awards, the formation they did, I forget what it was, but it it didn't make any sense. And then you had Forrest Lasso in there who played 10 games. And you're like, I kind of get it. From a certain perspective, it just seemed like a popularity contest. Like mm -hmm. everyone knows he's a good mm -hmm. defender, but he played half the games as other people. But that's a whole nother uh, tangent. Um, something that broke today uh, from Jeff Reuter um, from The Athletic is they're going to be doing an all-star game for the USL in June of this upcoming year, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Who knows? Um, but uh, what are your feelings on the idea of doing that? Is that something that maybe players have wanted to do? Or, or what are your thoughts? I'm a competitor, so I love that. Yeah. And like, I, I just found out from you. So now my mindset is like, all right, I need to work hard. Cause yeah. It's just, it's, for those that can't see Hugh's face, because nobody can other than me, um, he just started smiling when <laughs> that question came up. And when I did mention it to him before, there was a certain like gleam in his face where it it's really cool to see. I mean, for me, from my perspective, I kind of see it as almost a why kind of a thing. Mm. But... I think that does change my perspective in a lot of ways, seeing that you, the question comes from Evan Valella. Um, who has been the most influence? What has been the most influential life advice you've ever been given? Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, like from my father, he told me to stay patient, stay the course. 
since I was a kid, I've been playing this grind, you know, doing this sport, but there's been th- I was a forward my whole life. So going back from like middle school, scoring a bunch of goals, wasn't really getting any recognition and love from it. So I complained to my dad, like, you know, why am I not getting any, you know, any recognition for it? He'd always tell me to stay patient, stay the course, transition into high school. I'm still, you know, doing decent for myself. But I still wasn't getting any recognition or college looks like that. And so I complained to my dad and just, you know, crying, upset to him. He'd always just tell me to stay level-headed, stay the course, transition to college. My freshman year wasn't even playing like that as a four, and I wanted to transfer schools. And, you know, they told – breaking down crying to him as well. So he chose basketball too. <laughs> and he's like, um, you know, just stay patient. You're not transferring schools. You never know what can happen. We win the 8-10, go undefeated, have best friends, the best four years of my career there, and then move on to being a pro fighting for a contract, got cut from a couple other teams, got cut up, cut from Rochester and Penn FC before Richmond. Mm. And so I'm upset then too, you know, I want to fulfill my dreams, but I'm also in school as well. So I don't know what to do to stop playing or just focus on my degree. He tells me to stay the course, stay patient. Richmond comes, offers, and even through the couple other years too, like Philly and Pittsburgh was a grind as well. And, you know, he still just keeps me level-headed and it's got me here to this point right now. Mm. And definitely guys like William Yambi, another player from a player's perspective. I was 21 when I came in the league. He was like 30 already. But we started probably close to 100 games together in my last two years in Richmond. And he taught me more of like the business side of the game. He told me like with money involved, guys are always going to be looking out out for themselves so at the end of the day like you want to do well but you also have to look out for yourself and you know worry about yourself as well not just other guys in the team and stuff because when there's money and there's families the guys like have to look out for themselves so mm. that definitely taught me a lot too and side. this question comes from uh from matt bow round and round on twitter of course um have which coaches have been most impactful on your career yeah, definitely. So, for one, my AU basketball coach, Coach Artie from uh, DC, but he kind of installed my mentality for me. He always, he was a competitor, and I'm a competitor, but he brought that out of me. He told me to go at guys constantly. Mm. If I could get past, go at him, go at him. He called timeouts like, "Hugh, what are you doing? You're not going past him. I want you to go past him every single time. I want you to stop him." You know, he just like really installed the mentality with me. And, drove my competitiveness to the next level and got me here to this day um and then definitely Lee Kalashaw I gotta give him a lot of credit for one giving me an opportunity when I was trying out for Richmond just in open trials and for two he also just taught me the game I really I was a forward my whole life moved to center back my sophomore year of college three years later I'm here in Richmond so I really didn't know anything about not anything but like the tactical side of the game the technical mm-hmm. side of the game college soccer I went to a mid-major school we were just fighting competing playing long balls just kicking the ball and just running it got us the eighth championship not complaining at all we fought but it wasn't like the technical tactical side and so mm-hmm. Lee taught me to move off the ball taught me the one touch two touch I mean not necessarily him just like taking me after practice he's like yelling at me you know being very hard on me but you know pressure makes diamonds too and got me to play better to play faster I'd go home after practice thinking about these frustrations and why can't I figure this out? And he'd want me to start too because he trusted me, but I was young and I knew I couldn't compete yet. But he taught me for those three years, groomed me, and I stick with a lot of the things that he taught me then. Just like breaking between the lines. Um, I said moving off the ball was just like, you know, playing long balls and just the tactical side of it. All righty. And we'll go ahead and end on this question here from Brandon. Uh, Brandon Miller, of course, uh, goalkeeper extraordinaire. 
Um, there was a, a certain bet this morning, and tell us a little bit about that, and then what was the uh, the terms of the bet? Yeah, so um, we play pickup every morning, mm. so I'll, I'll give you the breakdown. Play pickup every morning. He came out to me before on opposite teams. And he's like, all right, we're like, whoever has the most goals scores, bet. When you make a bet, you establish everything before, yeah. then it's a bet, have a deal. All we said was most goals wins, bet. Now he did his thing, cherry picked a little bit, scored some <laughs> goals. <laughs> I'll give you your credit, B. But nothing was established about having going out to lunch or any kind of food after until yeah. after he wins. <laughs> Very convenient, but if I knew Chipotle or someone was on the line, I probably would have man marked. I didn't even play center back the whole time and pick up two. That's the okay, thing yeah, I told that, him too. That changes the situation. I'm if I played in defense, you know, if you look. When I was playing as a midfielder and an attacker, because I like to you know switch it up a little bit too. Yeah. But nah, I'm gonna have my word and my integrity too. And you know, I would have taken him out, of course, but it wasn't really established till after. So I totally get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and end the pod there. Uh, of course, want to thank you for taking the time uh, out of your schedule. Um, yeah, good conversation. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Stick to um, part two coming too as well. We're recording again from his perspective on the season two. Yeah, we do part two on backyard footy. But thanks for listening. Of course. Oh.